Hello. Hi. Okay, welcome. My name is Dale. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this workshop. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we, want, we ask that we all turn off our cell phones or other electronic equipment. Even if you think it's off, please check it again. Also, would somebody grab the door? We'll close the door. Thank you. Uh, the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when, they, when sharing to speak of your own recovery in the program Let me repeat that. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery and the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. And E, if there's press in the room, please do not take any any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. This workshop will have speakers followed by an ask it basket. During the workshop, please keep the basket moving. And the basket right now is here. Okay. Um, the topic for this session is traditions, unity to anonymity, the safety and security of our shared journey, and the principle is consideration. We will begin with a selection from A Common Solution, Diversity and Recovery, page 2. As Overeaters Anonymous grows, our fellowship becomes more diverse. The AA Big Book observes, we are people who normally would not mix, yet mix we do, under the wisdom of Tradition 1 that reminds us that personal recovery depends on OA unity. Let's welcome Wendy. She's our first speaker, and she'll speak for about 15 minutes. Yay. Hi, my name's Wendy, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. I really want to thank everybody who's been involved in doing service this weekend, thank everyone for the convention, and I really thank the committee for having a session on traditions, because I love to hear about the traditions, so I really look forward to hearing the other speakers um, as well. Uh, To qualify, um, I I found a higher power in these rooms, and by the grace of that goddess, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, I've been absent since August 3rd, 1989 which is about 321 mo- 320 months uh, of abstinence, and I'm maintaining, with God's help, a 70 to 75-pound weight loss. My, thank you. That's just to bear witness that the program works. Um, my top weight was 194 pounds, and, uh, t- and today I weigh uh, under 125 pounds uh, by a few, and the reason that's sort of important is the first time I remember weighing um, – and having it documented anyway, it was when I was, the summer I was 13, I, had, I got a boat driver's license, because if you weren't 16, you had to get licensed in Michigan to drive a boat. And I remember saying on my boat driver's license that I weighed 125 pounds. I don't know what I actually weighed, but I remember that that was a lie. 
So I weigh less than I have since I was 13, with the exception of my other time in Overeaters Anonymous. So I live a life today beyond my wildest dreams. I have never in my life fantasized uh, even that I would ever be the size weight or I could wear the kind of clothes that I wear today. And I often wonder, or I sometimes wonder what I would have been like in high school and college if I'd been able to be in a normal size body the way I am now. So I'm very, very grateful. Um, I did not come into Overeaters Anonymous on a winning streak. And I felt like everybody here in the world uh, knew how to live. You had like some secret code or guidebook or some way that you knew how to live. And I didn't have it. And I was very aware that you had it, and I didn't. And then I came into O'Readers Anonymous in August of 89, and you gave me the 12 steps, the big book of AA, and the 12 traditions. And so now I have a way of life. I have a structure to which to live my life by, and for that I am incredibly, incredibly grateful. And I know that everything in OA is just suggestions. The 12 traditions are suggestions. They're not rules. They're not the rule book. But um, in my experience, the 12 traditions are the only suggestions we have. It's not like we have a plan B. It's not like, hey, try these 12 traditions, and if that doesn't work, there's this other thing you can try. And I love that about OA, the singleness of purpose, the direction, the simplicity, because it gives me that structure that I never had in my life, and I'm I know, forever grateful. Um, I'm going to try to talk about a couple of the traditions this morning um, or this afternoon, um, please know that I'm not an expert on Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm certainly not an expert on their traditions. So take what you like and leave the rest. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of the traditions, and when I do, I'm going to read what's called the long form. And it's actually what Bill W., when he first wrote him, called the 12 points to assure our future. I love that. The 12 points to assure our future is what the traditions were originally called. And, you know, on 107 in our book... There's a a reference to, um, we felt as if our own, we we felt it was our only safe haven, and we reacted with fear any time we thought this fellowship might be threatened. That's in the introduction to the traditions. And, you know, the traditions keep me from being um, polarized by my fear. I still sometimes have fear, especially if I think my safe haven is in any way going to be threatened. And the perfect example for me is in my home group that I've been going to for almost 27 years. If there's a group discussion about maybe we should change the meeting time, the meeting location, the duration of the meeting, uh, are there tips for absence or for time in recovery, I go immediately into fear. I can fear it in my, feel it in my body. But because of the traditions, I can walk through that fear. I can participate in the open discussion in the business meetings, and I can totally and completely accept the group conscience and walk out of there feeling clean. I, I don't know how I could do any of those things without um, without that, that set of traditions. And, and I think f- for myself, the traditions are really important because they have kept the program pure for the last 60 years so that I can experience it as a compulsive overeater. And most of us are... You know, second-generation OAers. Some people are first-generation OAers. I know there's people in the room who sat in the rooms with Roseanne. But OA is only 60 years old, and I, I think the traditions are our best shot at making sure that 200 years from now, 300 years from now, people who weren't first- or second-generation OAers are hearing the program and the message. And given my ego, if I didn't have the structure of the traditions, I probably would be espousing wisdom about my program. Well, my program got me to 194 pounds. 
And I don't think that was my top weight had already not intervened. So to me, it's important that I hear the program and the message. Um, and the traditions help protect that. So I came into OA as an individual. I, all I cared about was the fact that I was fat and I didn't want to be fat anymore. Um, but then I gave up the excess food and I became reliant and dependent on the group as a whole. And so now it's my job is, uh, is to try to help protect that group as a whole through the 12 traditions. Oh, I thought you were, um, sorry. I have the good fortune of having a timer up front. Um, so let me read the, the, uh, the first of the 12 points of assuring our future, the long version. Tradition one, each member of Overeaters Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. OA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare follows close afterwards. You know, what this says to me is that I need to keep the group as a whole in mind when I'm sharing, which means I need to share about the program. Um, I need to keep my pitches positive. If I have outside issues or a lot of details I need to share, I need to do that with my sponsor. Um, it reminds me in, in Tradition 1 that if I believe a tradition's been broken, I have a responsibility to speak up and say, you know, it's my understanding that a Tradition you know, X um, says such and such, and I'm not sure what you said complied with that, and you know, can we talk about it, and to try to help enforce that. Um, tradition 1 also taught me that... Um, Unif- that unity does not mean uniformity. And so we can have different points of view, we can have different opinions, but at the end of the day, um, we still have that unity amongst us. And I'm pretty dang good at that in Overeaters Anonymous. I get that I'm a part, that small part of a greater whole. I get that in OA. Where the traditions really help me a lot is when I go in the outside world. Because when I'm at work or I'm in my marriage, my ego kicks in. You know, an ego for me is just edging God out. And particularly at work, oh, my God, I need the traditions so much. Because um, I don't, you know, in my marriage for years before Overeaters Anonymous, I thought it was exactly what I just said by mistake, my marriage. It's not my marriage. It's our marriage. There's actually a common entity and a common welfare, and I need to take actions that protect that common welfare. Um, it's not my marriage that my husband Tom happens to be in. It's, it, and seriously, that's how I looked at it. It was my house that we shared. It was my marriage that he was in, as opposed to our house, our marriage. And so the traditions really helped me take a look at that and make sure that I'm paying attention to the common welfare of our partnership and what's important to our marriage. Um, I don't know if I'd be uh, with him 25 years later if not for the 12 traditions. In my work, I got abstinent August 3rd, 1989. I went into business October 13th, 1989. And my business plan has been from day one, I roll out of bed, get down on my knees, I do the third step prayer, and I run the business to the best of my ability according to the 12 traditions. My business plan has always been the 12 traditions. And, you know, God um, helped me tremendously in my work um, to run the business in a way that was good for the common welfare. And my sponsor has actually even helped me when I've deviated from that at work. I, I, my business grew by the grace of God and the traditions and the steps to 14 people. And um, we were doing about $2 million a year at the time that I sold off a large portion of the business. At one point, I had 14 employees. 13 were working really great together. And one uh, didn't like me, wasn't functioning that well, and I was obsessed with trying to make that relationship work. And my sponsor said to me, 
Um, I think if you take a look at tradition one, you might see that our common welfare should come first. What's happening to the other 13 that you're ignoring while you're taking care of trying to fix, you know, one more time the one that's not working? So the traditions truly give me the game plan for how to live my life um, in all areas of my affairs. And I, I truly think my work and my um, um, businesses are okay. Thank you, are probably the most important place. Um, I wanted to say one quick thing about the long version of Tradition 5, and then I'm going to talk about 12 and wrap up. I like the long form of Tradition 5 because, you know, we traditionally read each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. The long form says each Overeaters Anonymous group ought to be a spiritual entity having but one primary purpose, that of carrying its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. What I love about that is the emphasis on spiritual entity. And that's so important to me because I came in here atheist. And I need to remember that Overeaters Anonymous is a spiritual entity. You know, it says on page 164 of the big book that it's the fellowship of the spirit. It doesn't say that it's the spirit of the fellowship. It says that it's the fellowship of the spirit. The spirit comes first. And that's a real important thing for me in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, then I want to focus on, on 12, I think, and, and wrap up. The long version of 12 says, And finally, we of Overeaters Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities, that we are, act, we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This is the end of our great... This is the end, that our great blessings may never spoil us, that we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over all of us. We of Overeaters Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has its immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities and that we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This is the end of our great... This is the end that our great blessings may never spoil us. I thought I'd read it again so I didn't stumble. I stumbled in the same place. So what I get out of this and what it says on page 206 of the OA 12 and 12 is that anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our transformed lives as well as OA's traditions. This gives me a chance to get out of ego. This gets, gives me a chance to get out of self. This gives me a chance to be of service. And I'll tell you a quick story of what really helped me to learn about principles before personalities. I thought principles before personalities meant that the OA principles and the fundamentals were more important than any individual personality. So if I was in a meeting and someone you know, spoke in a way I didn't think was as helpful as it might have been or something, you know, that's my problem, right? Well, I was going to speak at the R2 convention um, in uh, Palm Desert about five years ago. And beforehand, I was in uh, South Dakota with my aunt and uncle, both of whom are long, long time AAers. And I mentioned that I was going to fly in on Saturday morning and uh, and then speak at, at the closing on Sunday noon. And But I didn't want to send a bad message that I wasn't coming in for Friday night's opening speaker or something like that. And it's breakfast table, and my aunt's cooking breakfast. And she just looks at me, and she goes, well, that's placing personalities before principles. And the minute she said it, I realized I'm the personality that I have to worry about, not you, me, my personality. And that it was egotistical uh, in her eyes, and obviously in mine when she pointed it out, to to. think it mattered what time I came and left for a convention. I thought it would look, you know, like 
grandiose if I came in Saturday morning and left Sunday afternoon and started being there the whole time. And she helped me to see that that was all ego and that was all my personality. And I was forgetting the principles of being there. So I appreciate that. I'm going to leave with two quotes because I don't want to get the timer to ding. Um, Well, I'm sorry, the one I already read from the OA 12 and 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our transformed lives as well as OA's traditions. And then Bill W. wrote something about the traditions that I thought would be a great closing note, and that is, um, but OA unity cannot automatically preserve itself. Like personal recovery, we shall always have to work to maintain it. And he wrote that about the 12 uh, points to ensure our future. We shall always have to work to maintain it. So that's why I'm especially grateful to the committee for having a session on the traditions. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was wonderful, wonderful. Um, okay, so I want to – here's the ask-it basket. We're, we're uh, separated, but I need this to keep going around. Um, until about the end of the second speaker. So when you get it, just keep passing it around because we have people that are are dropping in. Um, And I'm going to give this to Carol, and you can just pass it on. Thank you. Okay. Our second speaker is Bill. And... Hi, I'm. Do I have to press this? I guess. Okay. Hi, I'm Bill. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, everybody. It's nice to be here, and welcome to anybody who's new. And I wanted to thank Nancy for asking me to speak at this. I've been a member of Overeaters Anonymous since 1990. I got so I got abstinent. I got into OA via Alcoholics Anonymous. I gained 70 pounds my first two years clean and sober. And I spent six years fighting it. And after six years, I finally realized I haven't gotten anywhere. So I started going to Overeaters Anonymous, and it worked. And it worked pretty quickly. I've been maintaining about a 50-pound weight loss probably since my second year in Overeaters Anonymous. took me a little while to get abstinent. And I've had minor breaks of abstinence during that time up till now but they've been really minor, and they haven't resulted in any weight gain. Um, So my actual continuous abstinence is from September 1st of 2008. And I'm really grateful for this program. Thank you. It was just one of those other things that I couldn't do for myself. I also... um, They read that part about... uh, we are people who ordinarily would not mix. And I always felt that they left out two words in that sentence in the Vicks book. It should read, we are people who ordinarily would not mix with anybody. <laughs> and I kind of feel that, for me, the traditions are what teaches me how to mix, you know, how to be in the world, both within the fellowship and outside of the fellowship. And I really needed that. You know, that was... Um, 
I think I engaged in my addictions because I could not I could not figure out how to live, and food and alcohol kind of helped me slide by. So I'm grateful for that that I found these programs. The thing about the traditions and the steps are that I feel, for me, the steps are how I bring God into my life. And I think the traditions are how the group brings God into its life because that's so much of what these programs are about, is bringing God into our lives. And a good example of that actually just occurred Monday when I got an email that had the speaker instructions that said, do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And I'm like bristling as I'm reading these and thinking, I'm going to violate every one of those. And then I, you know, looked at Tradition 1 where it says, um, our traditions mean, uh, wait a minute, what is it? Unity means that the individual needs to keep in mind to follow the group's rules. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow the group's rules because those were created by a higher power, I mean, by the group, through the group conscience. I have an essential tremor, and I'm horrible with a microphone, so bear with me. Um, I also, in that same page where they talk about it, I think I'm also a compulsive grader, and I actually think that Overeaters Anonymous does a better job of adhering to the traditions than Alcoholics Anonymous, and so kudos to us for that. But you know, it says in that page where we realize that this is a matter of life and death for us, and that we have to keep this program growing, and that's why we have these traditions in order to keep it going. And they're very, they can be very challenging. Um, I'm kind of a confrontational person, and and I like controversy. And the tradition that says, oh, we ought to have no opinion on outside issues can be a very challenging one. But I also realized how extremely important that is because not only are the traditions about how God comes into our lives, but it's also about how we are welcoming to others. And any time we introduce an outside issue, we're going to be unwelcoming to somebody. You know, there's, there's always somebody who disagrees with you on something other than recovery from compulsive eating. And I think that's really important this year because we're entering what might be a controversial election season. And I'm really grateful that people don't talk about politics in the meetings. I think that does a lot to be welcoming and to, you know, enable the newcomers, like you said, find a safe haven and keep coming back. So that is a big plus in um, Overeaters Anonymous. And I have something maybe written down. Okay. Let me change that. I lost something I had written down. But I think I also really 
I've often felt that in the steps, the first 11 lead up to the 12th step. And that's where we live our lives from that point on, continuing to work the steps. But I think the second through 12th step kind of roll up into that first step about um, personal recovery requiring OA unity. And a good example of that is that tradition of anonymity. I tell people that I've been in these programs for a long time, and I probably know about more about everything in the programs except anonymity, which I actually seem to know less about than when I first came in, just because it is such a powerful and fascinating spiritual tool. I think it's what keeps us going. I think it's what keeps us friends. And I think it's what keeps us attractive. You know, that the 11th tradition says our public relations policy is based on attraction, not promotion. Uh, personal anonymity is requested at the level of press, radio, and films. And I like that idea, you know, because it's, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of a problem with vanity. And the notion of anonymity helps me to treat that. So I keep coming back for that. And I also think I'm a practicing Catholic. And people ask me why I like being a Catholic. And I says, well, I don't necessarily like going to Mass every Sunday, but I like having to go to Mass. And I think the traditions are similar in a sense that they reinforce that notion of obligation, that in order to be a part of something, I am actually obligated to do certain things. You know, so, oh, okay. And so I'm willing to do them. And I'm willing to ask for help to do them. I'm willing to pray to do them. And I'm also willing to stick my neck out there and encourage others to do that. There was a, There's a line in the 12 by 12 where they talked about how we have a responsibility to speak up when the traditions are feeling, being violated. And one of the learning curves in Overeaters Anonymous for me has to been to do that in a kind and loving manner. I mean, I'd much rather pick up a hammer and hit somebody over the head and say, don't say that. But that's not welcoming. <laughs> and again, the traditions are really a lot about being welcoming. So I'm actually running out of things to say, and I hope I did not go too short, but I just think I will end it there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bill. That was perfect. Um, where is the Ask a Basket? Okay, want to keep it going around, please, because we have new people coming in. Okay, so we'll just keep floating it around, and um, it'll go around one more time, and then the last person bring it to the front, and then um, I'll sort it, sort it out. And our next speaker is Rita. Thank you so much for Rita. And uh, you were a, 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 you didn't get a lot of notice on this, so really appreciate it. <laughs> I'll tell you about that. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I t- traditionally have trouble with microphones, so I hope this is good. Sound good? Okay, good. I want to um, commend you all for being here. Traditions is not 
all that popular sometimes. <laughs> I go to a meeting and they read, it, it, one week they read a step, and they have a speaker, then they read the traditions, one, another, one week is a step, one week is a speaker, one week is traditions, and another week is a speaker again. And on the day that we read the traditions, our um, attendance is way down. <laughs> uh, and I used to feel that way about the tradition, so I, I totally understand it's so horrible that I, I, I've been in OA since 1983. And everything anybody's done or felt or said or thought, I probably have to. <laughs> so it's hard for me to be too judgmental about anything, unfortunately. I kind of wish I could work up some righteous indignation once in a while and get away with it. But um, Okay, so I'm here today. Uh, I... Uh, I turned in my registration. I got the early bird registration. Uh, they asked me to speak. Uh, when my uh, background is that when you're asked to do service, you do it, even if it scares you to death. And um, so I said I would. And then um, I found out that um, I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, my breast cancer has reoccurred. And I, was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I assumed I would be laid up at this time. But what happened is um, they postponed the surgery until uh, July 7th. So I went, oh, I can come. So I got myself down here, and I saw Nancy, who's the speaker getter. And she goes, oh, good, good. We'll put you down for traditions and I'm like, oh, okay. I thought, I thought I dodged that bullet. And I didn't even bring my 12, and I brought the AA 12 and 12, because I'm working on, I've been, I've been getting back into that. When I first came into OA, we didn't have uh, OA literature, and we used all the AA literature. And I'm, I'm working the steps again using that, and it's been really interesting, because I laid it aside and hadn't used it for a while. But getting back to the traditions, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate the traditions now. Just oh, just to qualify, um, I have not been abstinent the entire time I've been in OA, but I am maintaining uh, between a 70 and 80 pound weight loss for uh, 10 plus years. I don't know exactly. I, I, I really don't. I try not to keep track. It's one day at a time. And um, anyway, I'm grateful. And I have to say, I'm grateful that I don't have to eat over having cancer. It's like not an option, you know, I mean, not only is it not an option, it's not something I want to do. And I'm so blessed because of that. It's not something I did. It's just not there. And I'm grateful for that. At least it's not there today. I can't say about July 8th. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Never say never, right? Okay, so traditions. Um, I happen to like the traditions a lot because this program has saved my life. And it's also taught me how to uh, live. Uh, my life was unmanageable, and I didn't even realize it. And it wasn't until I worked this, uh, and I'm not a rule follower, typically. I, I'm, I'm not a group person. I, I never feel like I belong to any group. This is the only group I ever feel like I belong to. It's just something in me, you know, and it's, it's, it's like a character defect or something. But anyway, in this group, I feel differently. And 
a big part of that is because of the traditions, because these are the things we all understand. You know, we interpret them in different ways. I think it's kind of like the Constitution of the United States of America. You know, people complain that it's so, um, you know, vague, you know, and I heard somebody say once, well, the authors made it that way because really the truth is in uh, talking about it. The truth is in it every day, uh, applying it. Uh, they, they've got all these Supreme Court justices trying to figure it out all the time. And it takes returning to it and returning to it and talking about it and reevaluating it. And that's the way I feel about the traditions. You know, the words are here, but it's the way we apply them and what we go through to, um, to understand them together. We understand them together. And I don't always like it when people have a different opinion than me. Um, It's threatening to me. But because of these traditions, I know that I have to listen to that. And if I do listen to that, I'll probably learn something. For instance, um, I I live in a really tiny little town, and... um, I helped start an OA meeting there recently. We used to have one years ago, and then it died. And what makes a meeting die, I'm not sure. People say it's because the traditions weren't followed. And the group that I was in used to have like 50 people in it. and um, But they had, uh, at that time, it was a program within OA that required people to do certain things. And the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. And OA's uh, group said we were violating their traditions and that we couldn't um, ask people to do what we were asking them to do or we'd have to leave OA. And a whole bunch of people got really angry and left OA. And uh, so the meeting kind of died. And that's an example, I guess, of what not following the traditions can do. But anyway, I, I, I got tired of driving 30 miles round trip to, to get to meetings, and so I helped to start a little meeting. And So there's a small group of us, and somebody decided that they didn't want to have so many readings at the beginning, like the traditions. They don't want to read the traditions. And I'm like, what? You have to read the traditions. They're like, we do? I go, Yeah. I think so. They say, why? I'm going, I don't know. Every group I've ever been to, we read the traditions. They're important. They didn't think they were important. They had a group conscience. They decided that they would read one of the traditions every month. So in January, we read tradition one four times. And I thought, well, it was a, you know, I'm not in charge here. What, what tradition is that? I'm not, I'm not the authority. You know, I am, you know, it's, it, I'm, not, I'm not the boss of this group. And um, they've had a group conscience, and this is what they've decided to do. So I thought, okay, hearing the same tradition four times in a row, we'll, before the year's over, we'll have heard them all. That, I can live with that. So that's what we do. And it was the tradition um, that I'm a trusted servant that helped me be able, and the tradition of uh, living by group conscience. I can't remember what the traditions are right now, (laughs) but I know that's one of them. Uh, It's in there someplace that, um, you know, we live by group conscience. And um, so I was able to accept that. 
And also, I've seen that um, the traditions apply to my life, which I didn't see before. And that's really helped me to uh, really appreciate the traditions even more. Um, as other people have said, you know, uh, with family, um, putting the whole before the me uh, has really been important. And um, the idea that we don't have opinions on outside interests is really important to me as well um, because this is a safe place for me. I, I can't tell you what it's meant to me to be able to find my voice in a way. Uh, I can talk in a way and nobody gets to argue with me and nobody gets to interrupt me. And that is like such a gift. I can't believe it. It's like it helped me be able to start speaking up for myself and start deciding what I believed and what I thought because most of my life somebody was telling me all the time what I should believe. We don't get to do that here. And principles above personalities has been tremendously important too because I don't like everybody in our way, but... I'm glad they're here. And even the people that annoy me, I got to say, when I put principles before personalities, I, I develop ways to deal. Thank you. I develop ways to deal with difficult people that have stood me in good, or people that are difficult for me, maybe not in general, but for me. And it's really helped me in my work and all areas of my life. So I think that's about it for me, too. So um, thank you for listening. Okay, let's thank our speakers while they're taking their seat. So... For those who are listening to this, the panel has just moved to the platform. And now we have the Ask It Basket questions. These are great questions. Thank you so much. I got to read them ahead. So um, we'll ask a question, and then whoever wants to take it can take it. And if, you have, if we can have more than one person answer the question, that would be great, too. So let's see. First question is, hmm. What do you do if a tradition is being violated during a long share by a newcomer or other fellow, especially if the secretary doesn't intervene? That never happens. No. <laughs> Hi, I'm Wendy. I'm a real compulsive overreader. It depends. I'll do it one of two ways. It depends on the energy of the room. Um, and what feels appropriate, there has to be an intuitive thought there that God has to come into it. But the nice thing for me is it says in our literature, I have a responsibility. So, um, and sometimes I will actually, I'll pause in case anybody else would rather have that responsibility in the moment. But if, if it's clear that something needs to be said and somebody else isn't going to say it, I will step up. And I'll do it one of two ways. Usually I will wait until after the meeting. And I will try to reference the specific um, tradition. I'll talk to the person one-on-one. This happened not that long ago, actually, at a meeting I was at. And a gentleman said something. Um, and I, after the meeting, I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, I feel like um, tradition 
says that we don't talk about outside issues and what you talked about might have been viewed as an outside issue and, you know, allow them a chance to absorb that and, and comment back or not. In this case, they were very, very well receiving. I've, I've asked, I've suggested to people that maybe a tradition was violated before and it wasn't so well received. So I know it doesn't always go that way, but I try to quote the tradition and make it about the program and, um, and do it in a sort of a soft way in terms of it's my understanding that and see what happens. I have, if a newcomer just doesn't know, uh, and they're going to, and they're doing something that's blatantly, um, inappropriate, I will say something right there in the group, but I always try to do it in a way that they don't feel shamed because God knows I felt shame just coming in the room. So I, I try very hard not to make it sound corrective, but just helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, next question is, how do you work the traditions with your sponsor and sponsorees? But I actually would like to go. Oh, I would like go, to go back to the first question. Um, if the if it, the question was just related to speaking too long, I think that's very challenging because we have that tradition of principles before personalities, and if person X speaks for five minutes and there's someone I like, then I probably wouldn't say anything. If it's person X speaking for five minutes who's somebody I don't like. I might be more tempted to do it. So I have to be very careful regarding that. And my general principle is is that our only authority is a loving higher power. So for the operations of the meeting, I generally defer to the secretary. And if they don't say anything, I don't say anything. If it's introducing an outside issue, I would definitely say something, hopefully in a kind way, because I think that that's crucial. And meetings, different meetings have different rules about how long you're supposed to speak. So that's a complicated issue, and it was a very good question. Thank you. I'll speak to how to work the tradition, how I work the traditions with uh, sponsees. The way I work um, the steps and the traditions is uh, my sponsees call me every morning, and um, they read something uh, that they've just read from um, the steps. Uh, we go through the steps in order, and they might just read a paragraph and write about it and whatever comes up for them. And when we finish the steps, then we go on to the traditions and do the same thing, read a little bit, write a little bit, so every day. And then we get through the traditions and the steps that way. Okay, next question. What is your favorite tradition, or which tradition allowed you to have the biggest spiritual breakthrough? I would definitely say that the first tradition is my favorite tradition. Just, um, oh, which is uh, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. I felt like that was a test. Um, thank you. <laughs> but just because every time I hear that read, it just reminds me that I'm not the only person in the world. I'm not the only person in the world who might be saddened by something or disappointed by something or happy about something. 
everybody's got their own feelings and they deserve to be recognized. And I think that's actually one of the th great things I've discovered in Overeaters Anonymous is that every single person gets to have their say. And I think we can attribute that to tradition one. Thank you. Um, I didn't address consideration when I spoke, but, um, and I'm not sure which, I guess all the traditions together make that up. I'm not really sure, but I hadn't really, um, consideration to me means that I'm going to consider somebody besides myself, and it's a matter of uh, selfishness, and um, I think that has been one of the things that has helped me more than anything to um, work a spiritual program and to uh, get closer to a power greater than myself is that I can see how much selfishness stands in my way all the time. And uh, consideration is one of the antidotes, in my opinion, for that. I'm going to piggyback on that, if that's okay, because I, too, didn't talk about consideration, and we were specifically asked to. Um, I, I looked it up, and in the dictionary, it said that consideration is uh, careful thought. And um, what struck me by that is that to be careful, I have to go slowly, or I have to pause. To be thoughtful, I have to go slowly, or I have to pause. And before Overeaters Anonymous, I did not have a pause button. I had an opinion, I had wisdom, the world needed to hear it, uh, or I needed to eat this moment, or whatever. I was an into-action, immediate kind of gal. And if consideration is the underlying principle behind the traditions and it requires careful thought, then that just reminds me, um, you know, the easy does it for me, I translate as just slow down. Because when I pause, there's a moment of grace possible. Sometimes I override it, but that moment of grace is always there if I pause. And so um, I, too, would uh, echo that and that the, the first tradition to me is the underpinning of everything. It's very hard to pick a favorite because I, I love 12 and I love 5, but uh, I love them all. But I would say the first because our karma and welfare, that underpins everything. Thank you. Thank you all. Let's see. A couple more questions. And these two are related, so I will read them both. Um, how do we apply the 12 traditions to relationships outside OA, family and coworkers? And the other person said, how do you apply the traditions to your life outside the program and relationships, work, home, family, and with strangers in the world? Um. I'm thinking of um, of one uh, gossip is um, something that mm, it's easy to fall into for me. And um, when I've really realized what gossip was and why I did it, it became pretty abhorrent to me. But I can still um, knee jerk into it from time to time. But um, the idea that uh, again. Uh, Principles, not personalities, helps me there. And there's something else in the traditions I can't name right now, but I know that, um, you know, it always says um, reason things out with each other, uh, but let there be no gossip uh, or criticism of one another. And 
that has stood me in such good stead in the world because people know I don't gossip about them. And they um, are they can they can tell me stuff, and I'm not going to tell other people. They know that um, that's possible um, to not gossip about people, and um, uh, it also has allowed me to um, honor uh, so much about people, so much about people I don't know. Um, it's so easy to gossip about that one little thing you see and not understand why they're doing it or what their situation is or whatever. It's just allowed me to be a more considerate person, like like Wendy was saying, to stop and think um, about what might be going on with that person so I don't have to uh, put them down. Uh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> Thanks. I'll also address this because it's come up in the last couple of years where I've been at the same job for 13 years and for the first nine years I had a boss but I was pretty much unsupervised. I have a new boss who started about four years ago and she's actually started bossing me. (laughs) So I kind of bristle whenever she tells me to do something different than the way I'm used to doing it. But I also recognize that she's the boss, I'm the employee. And I am a part of something that's bigger than me, the organization I work for. And I've agreed to work there, and I've agreed to have a boss. So when she comes, I just hold my tongue and do it the way she said to do it, even though I know it might not be necessary or it could be done an easier way. But she's the boss, and I have to look at tradition, too, in that manner. You know, God knows better than I do. My boss is not God, but... She's far, more, she's far more knowledgeable about our work than I am. So, thank you. Um, well, I got abstinent um, August 3rd, 1989. I went into business October 13th, that same year of 1989. And I was fortunate to fall in love with my best friend in March of 91. So, I owe my business and I owe my marriage absolutely to the direct result of the traditions. And how I apply the traditions in my marriage through the help of good sponsorship um, is to remember that um, if something doesn't work for both of us, it doesn't work for either of us because we have a common purpose. Um, and I talked about that a little bit earlier, so I won't elaborate beyond it. And then in work, um, you know, I have to remember that there's a, there's a common purpose, right? It says our primary purpose is in the traditions. Well, I have to remember what the primary purpose is, and it's to get the client or the group or the community or whatever to the end goal. It is not... If I say this oft, if I say this repeatedly enough, and perhaps say it slightly differently, the people in the room will see the wisdom of what it is I'm trying to say because my point of view is clearly superior to theirs. That's ego, and that's what I do without the traditions. But if I remember our common welfare should come first, and that we have a primary purpose, and it's this end goal, not the little difference of opinion we're having in this very moment, then it's pretty much it's easier for me to just kind of release it, and and stick with what's good for the common good. Thank you. Thank you, all three of you. And uh, now it's time to close the session. We have a couple of more minutes. We can open it up for questions, but if you ask a question, we need you just to sign um, a release that it's okay to be taped. Does anyone else have a question that they would like to ask the panel? Okay. We have one. 
to say your name. You can just ask the you can just ask the question. You don't have to say your name. Here, I need you to this microphone, oh. and then we'll need you to sign That's the release. Yes, thank you, beloved panel. Oh, the traditions to me are about creating boundaries for the group, for our group, in our fellowship. And I'm not in judgment, or I'm just an observation in other fellowships too. Workshops about the traditions, a lot of people, they're not as well attended. Can you give some insight on that? Address that. We do about attendance. Um, the best thing I know to get attendance at a 12 step workshop is to not call it a 12 step workshop. To take some line out of the, I mean, the, uh, the traditions, excuse me, not 12 step, a 12 tradition workshop is to call it something that comes out of the tradition, some line that we all quote a lot, something that we like a lot. Title it that, because the minute you say 12 traditions, for some reason, some people think, oh, that's the boring part. And then my, my other guess would be that um, the more we carry the message of the traditions, the more we sponsor in a way and hold our meetings in a way that uphold the traditions, the more we share the traditions in meetings, the more people will realize that they are, at least for me, and I think this is universally felt, a way of life that serves us very, very well. Um, it's just the label traditions. Um, I think sometimes people... I um, think that's going to be some boring, bureaucratic, you know, like reading bylaws. And it's a whole lot more exciting to me than bylaws. So that's what I got. Um, thanks for that question. Uh, the I told you that I attend a meeting, and on one week we devote to a tradition. And, um, and we read it, and then we talk about it. And that's what, where I think uh, it's very helpful. And True, it's not that well attended, but the people that are there, as we talk about it, we begin to understand, and people talk about how they apply it to their lives. Other people get to hear that, and I think it broadens our understanding of what the traditions can do for us and why we have them. So I think that worked. To say so, to say your question without your name, it's just like putting your, your question in the basket. Is there anyone else who has a question for our panel? Okay, so now it's time to close the session. So we can all get together and...